Putin Bratwurst. Hi and welcome to Putin Bratwurst. I'm Simon and I'm talking hopefully to my good friend over in Quebec. Philip, can you hear me? I can hear you so very well. Yes, I, I really. So first of all, before we get this started, we switched uh, something about our technology and we're now finally able, hopefully, to use our computers and our better microphones. So this might be uh, the first episode where Putin Bratwurst is, this sounds exactly the way it's supposed to sound, which is nice and not like we recorded it in uh, from the inside of a toilet bowl, a bowl. So I hope it works. How are you doing, Philip? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, life is basically the same as every week we talk. Uh, it's been, what, six weeks now since I'm, uh, I'm uh, stranded in my house. So, uh, yeah, nothing really special to, uh, to say here. I have to be honest. What about you? Yeah, same, same here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting bored as fuck. Um, well, we started doing our balcony, so that's, that's nice. My, my, mm. my girlfriend is very much into decorating and all that kind of stuff, which I'm not into, but it's a nice change to see that an apartment can actually be more than just a, a, a room full of uh, fart air inside. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but there's news. There's news yes. that we have to discuss, um, especially... It's something I'm, I'm very sad. If, it, if it's what I think it is, it breaks my heart. So I don't know if you guys heard of it. It's, it's the big news on Twitter right now. It's everywhere. And actually, it's not really confirmed news at this point. No. There's just rumors. So, of course, what I'm talking about is that Kim Jong-un might mm -hmm. have passed. So he had, an, uh, as far as I know, he had a surgery on his heart. And I think he even went to see some Chinese specials. I think Chinese specialists came to North Korea. Oh, they, they came? To, I think so. And apparently he didn't make it. Now, I, I read an article just before we started recording where it says he did make it. Yeah. But he is so weak that um, his uh, predecessor, uh, his successor might be his sister, mm -hmm. Kim Jo uh, Jong. Or do you know how to pronounce her name? I think it's Yo Jong, but I'm not sure. I don't remember. I'm, I'm saying this, but I'm think, saying this by heart. I'm, I've, I haven't read it like right away, but uh, yeah. In French, they say that he's in the vegetable state. In, in the vegetable. that's how we it's that's how we describe people that are barely surviving. They are in the vegetable state. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we don't want to disrespect the supreme leader, and no. we don't want to spread any rumors. But mm. if if North Korea now I now got a, a female leader. Yeah. I mean this I, I don't really know much or anything at all about her. So maybe she's the same as he is, maybe she's worse. I don't know that, but she might be a good leader too. She might she might be someone who brings the country forward and finally gives it some a human touch. They always used to say that uh, females are the should be the would be the better leaders, not as violent, not as um mm -hmm. aggressive. So, I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you think about that? What do you make about the whole thing? It's not the first time we see her. Uh, she was kind of the international representative of the regime uh, in some events. She's the one who went to the Olympics in uh, Pyongyang. Uh, Pyongyang, <laughs> what am I saying? In uh, Pyongyang? Where was the uh, Olympics again? I forgot. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at that stuff. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, she, was, she went to South Korea for the Olympics in 2018. And... Um, Yeah, she, so she, she's been seen internationally and uh, her face is well known, I think. So I guess 
he doesn't have children, so well, I guess it would make sense in a in a monarchy like theirs to have his sister take his place. I'm also curious to see what will happen, you know. But they do I'm, have they do see women as inferior to men, don't they? I honestly I don't know much about North Korea, uh, but uh, I I mean it's something it's a sensible topic for sure. But uh, I I don't I don't know if they do. I don't know what's the state of women over there. I, I mean, for sure, the, the first conclusion I would get is that it's not paradise for them over there. Yeah. But uh, I think before women, she's uh, she's from the Kim Dynasty first and foremost. So that serves her probably better than her gender anyway. Yeah, and um, I mean. I mean, she she might she might bring change to to the whole to the whole situation, and uh, which I think would be great. I I mean, I don't wish anything bad to Kim Jong Un. I don't know why, but for some reason, I always find found him kind of funny. Like, um, you know, he's this this walking pile of cheeseburgers, and you know, he's small, and he's everywhere he he is, he doesn't look like a supreme leader. He looks like this. This funny guy that that kid that gets goofy. bullied, you know, the kid where they always go to, hey, hey, Kim Jong, Kim Jong, go, go ahead, say asshole to the teacher, say asshole to the teacher, do it. And then he like lifts his arm, and they and everyone else is like, hey, Kim Jong is in love with the teacher. Kim Jong is gay for teacher, and he's like, don't stop it, you guys, stop it. You know, that's that's the kind of guy I'm imagining. I don't know, like, I, I don't. He, he looks him. very goofy. He's hard to take seriously, oh, so but but. Uh, I think he played his card very well since he's in power. Um, he got to meet I, Donald Trump. Yeah, and um, I think he's a very rational player in the in geopolitics, where he's doing what he needs to do to keep his power uh, and keep his his regime alive. I think he's. I think he's. A, people like to say he's a goofball and everything, uh, but either he's very well um, advised, or I think he's he's actually a good geopolitical player. Because uh, he did what he had to do, which was keep his regime in place, uh, and yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see what will happen. Um, I won't. I won't lie. I've always dreamt to go to North Korea and witness oh, the regime how it how is how it is. So I wish the best for the North Korean people, but I hope they will stay the same until I'll be able to visit just to see. No, I'm joking. Which, it's which very selfish. It's, 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 that's so fucking selfish. <laughs> it's I, terrible. I, I'm, guys, not, I'm guys, not serious, by the I, way. I'm I know serious. you're suffering. I know you're, you're hungry and you're getting tortured in, in, in labor camps. But, but I want to see you get I tortured need, before. I need these pictures for Instagram. <laughs> like, you don't know the stories I could make of that. I'm, I'm really sorry. My, my drunk friends are waiting for me to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm joking. I, you want to the go there and you want to steal, steal, you want to take like a picture from, yeah. like you steal a picture from there, from the Supreme Leader. Mm-hmm. And then they take you to labor camp and they beat you. And then you almost start I, a war. I can, I, can, I can come back and write a book about it and become a millionaire. So that's the whole that's the whole strategy, you know. Or you, or they they decide to send you back and you just die right away because they beat you too much on in the head. It's a gamble I'm willing to take. It's it's all, <laughs> all right. Okay, we'll see about that. All right. In um, so that much uh, about that topic, we obviously we're gonna talk more about that um, as soon as there is more to tell because uh, Philip and I have, have feel a very strong connection to south korea mm-hmm. so north korea isn't far from that mm-hmm. um there's something i watched this week and i asked philip to watch it as well so um it's a movie uh, executive produced by um, michael moore who i think makes very great uh, documentaries and the movie is is on youtube right now you can watch it for free and i highly recommend you do it it's called planet of the humans 
um, it is about um, our struggle to um, to uh, have green powers and and all the things we are doing that are actually not doing anything at all. They're just fake and just uh, um, you know just just there to make us feel safe when actually they're making the same people rich who are profiting from oil and from uh from coal and all these other things and actually we're not doing anything to improve this planet and it's super depressing um it's a documentary that uh stayed in my head for days even until now it's like <clears throat> more than like almost a week or something i i, I go there i watched it and uh i was i was broken after watching it because it's it really shows that there's nothing we can do it's just the planet's going to the shitter and all we could do is try and be better ourselves but there's no technology or anything no electric cars no wind energy that's gonna save us now philip you watched the documentary as well and for you guys who have if you haven't seen the documentary i highly recommend um watching it uh, and revisiting what we say um hopefully we, you, we're gonna inspire you about that but philip what's your take on the documentary what do you think what did you feel about it so to be to be frank when you told me about this documentary i i had so I, I, before i watched it i had some preconceived ideas like it's going to be about you know sort uh, this and that and but i was surprised that it, it takes a very interesting angle which is the one of energy but it's almost strictly about energy which is an interesting topic Uh, I thought, and I still think, and it's. I think he approaches it very well. You said it, it's it's executive produced by uh, Michael Moore. You can see it, you know, how he uses like vintage videos and he makes like animation stuff, and he uh, uses kind of an ironic tone to describe to show certain things. I it think. Is, um, the... so, sorry to to jump in. So um, it's um, it's directed by Jeff Gibbs and executive right. produced by Michael Moore. Just to make that right. clear. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can see you can see how he was influenced by Moore for sure. Oh yeah. Um, I think one of the highlights of the um, the movie is the this whole and it's like in the middle I think where they show how they make the solar panels in a very accelerated way with with very dramatic music with like epic orchestrated music. I think it's 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 depressing, but. Uh, in, in a way beautiful so i think it's it's in a way because it's like human genius right so it's it's very respectful of what it shows but sometimes it shows how, how how stupid this whole green energy is actually like pure green washing um but if i if i had critics to make to the movie and, and i think they have to be said is the lack of solution given uh, except the one of reducing population basically is though is the only one that seems to make sense to him but he doesn't say it because he doesn't want to say it because it's a very yeah. unpopular opinion so he kind of goes there but he doesn't so he ends the movie in just a sad tone and um oh the, the ending is we're not gonna give you the ending but oh god so the okay ending. so that my other critic is about the ending so i'm not gonna go there i guess but uh you, you can go uh, just don't say say what it is about but um I'll uh, just put a, a spoiler warning, okay? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah right. uh, jump, jump in in a minute if you don't want to hear it. But okay. before I watched the movie, I, I told my friend, I was talking to a friend, and I said, look, at, I, I promise you there's going to be an orangutan in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there will be. Because um, it's a environmentalist movie. They have to show orangutan. And little you know, at the end, they show one. And with the old, like, the one... Yeah, yeah. With the trees. And I think that's... That's like that's been done too much, and I think it lost a bit. For me, it lost a bit of credibility at that point. It's true, it's sad and everything, but we I've seen it so much that it doesn't have the same effect as as much as the early stuff did in the movie. And another thing, it is, is spoiler warning is over, but 
maybe in the description we should put like a little thing whatever yeah. uh but um so my dad works in the forestry uh he's a forestry engineer okay and he's he's one that is really into biomass and that's a big discussion in the movie right can and, you uh, can you just explain really short uh, what biomass is for our listeners right so using biomass to produce energy is basically using uh, trees or leftover of trees and plants to burn them to uh produce power basically um, the idea behind it is that it's a cycle where you can plant trees that grow fast uh, i don't know their name in english but uh, there's some kind of trees that after like 10 or 15 years they're back on and you can cut them again if it's done in a way where and that's what my dad advocated most of his life is if you cut the old trees only the old trees and you leave this, the, all the young trees under it actually helps them to grow because it gets them more sun uh so uh I would I would have liked him to meet with like actual forestry uh, scientists and not just uh, lobbyists because that's basically the only people you meet about biomass is 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 uh, lobbyists and or in environmental studies. But I would have liked him to maybe have interviews or also like scientists of of the field of forestry. I feel like my dad my dad doesn't speak English much, but if they could have a discussion, I'm sure that it would have been very interesting. I was like, man, I wish you interviewed somebody like my dad. I'm not saying my dad is a fucking genius or anything, but I felt like he would have good arguments. And I'm not saying my dad is right. I'm just saying I think he, he, he shows a, maybe a very, very uh, biased uh, vision. And it was something that I also think more does, um, where they really show one, 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 only one dimension of an issue very strongly. And show the other side as idiots and people that profit from everything all the time, which is often true. But um, there's people that are more middle ground, more moderate that have been interesting to hear. Maybe I don't know. These are basically my, the big, the biggest thoughts I had about the movie. Um, again, I think the fact that he brought energy uh, and not uh, consumption as an issue, I think is very interesting because energy is very basic in our needs. Like you could say, oh, stop buying. Uh, anime anti-figures because it, it uses a lot of plastic yeah people are like okay i can i can stop buying that you know no worries that's something i can do when we talk about energy it's like can you stop heating your house maybe if you live in the bahamas but i'll tell you what if you live here you cannot stop doing that yeah same here in germany <clears throat> so and also another thing you didn't mention uh, uh hydropower uh quebec is 100 powered by dams we use nothing else than dams so we produce zero carbon emission for all our electricity. Uh, we did when we built the dams. Like you said, you have to build them. Uh, so you have to use the energy. But I, I, I'm surprised it didn't show how using these resources now could help us not use them in the future if done properly, which I think what, what dams usually do. Um, and we're trying to sell our electricity to the U.S., which is a lot of politics and, again, uh, protectionism from the U.S. and everything. Yeah. And... Um, But I think maybe that's another solution that is not maybe mentioned enough. I don't know. Uh, but all in all, I think it's a visually very interesting documentary. It's good. I think it's people should watch it. I'm not saying people should not. I think it's a good documentary. But as any documentaries, and not just ones related to Moore or Mr. Gibbs, you have to also think about the other side. And um, Because documentaries are also entertainment, right? They have, to be, entertain they have to be entertaining. So um, I think I would say it's a recommend, it's a recommend, I recommend it. I think it's good. But yeah, I think those are all the points I wanted to, to bring up. I don't know what's your take on what I said. I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with, with everything you said. I, for me personally, and that's the reason why, why I recommended you to watch it, it totally, um, it left me in absolutely despair 
because yeah i i get emotional during movies a lot uh but the arguments he made basically are right mm -hmm. it's it's right that you have if you have <clears throat> use solar power you need fossil fuels to to uh, create solar panels they don't provide nearly as much energy as they should and after 10 years or so you have to replace them again and yeah. it's similar with wind power And electric cars, I mean, everybody knows about uh, cobalt farming in, in, in Africa. Lithium. Right? Lithium and all that shit that just, mm -hmm. it fucks the planet so much more for the price of not having uh, carbon dioxide emissions. So, uh, as you said, the only solution he actually gives, or not really gives, but kind of gives, is that we just stop. Uh, you know, Rick, um, um, stop getting children and stop growing as a population, which is way easier said than done, and uh, mm -hmm. is almost uh, something you you shouldn't you you're not even allowed to say publicly because it's mm -hmm. you know it's so it's so, so it taboo sounds, it's so taboo it's so taboo and it sounds horrible, mm -hmm. but it is right in the uh, because <clears throat> it would be a kind of solution. We're we're growing too fast as a population. Now, it left the movie. Um, doesn't give you any other um, solution than that and it e doesn't even give you that solution so you you're left there with all these horrible heartbreaking images all these um these facts that just uh make sense but you don't want to be true and and so for me that was the the, the main takeout uh, from that and i'm still thinking about that is that i i don't know what to make of it it's uh i'm I, I think one, I want go this. Ahead, go ahead. I want this to to work out, and I want us to become a better species. And you know, all these it starts from a political point. I'm a very political person, but it also well very much goes to I don't want this earth to be fucked for our sake. I don't want that. I mean, obviously, I'm no I'm no uh, Greta Thunberg who's who's doing all that stuff for the environment, but I don't want our planet to be fucked knowingly be fucked forever and all the other animals die and all that kind of shit i don't want that but i just don't know what to do and that's the feeling you leave from the movie and i that's what i what i, I why i wanted you to see it to to hear your take i think yes uh i think he suggests us to not have children uh in a, in a way but he also he also says that You know, uh, he doesn't say it, but I, I feel like "do your best" is 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 a message that should be put across. He didn't, but um, you can feel it also by through it. Just like "do your best," if everybody did their best, that would be a, a first step. But there's also the question of the industry, and that's I think the point that I enjoyed the most about the movie, and is what he shows the most, and I agree with the most, and that I enjoyed the most is the hypocrisy. And that's, I think, the highlight of the movie is showing the hypocrisy. When he goes to this festival, you know, this music festival, oh, yeah. like every, yeah. everything is powered by solar power. And you see there, <laughs> there's like 12 solar powers. Houses here that are solar powered have more than that on their house. How can you, how can you power a whole music show? How, how like a big concert. Yeah. Yeah. Like an open air, like, like, honestly, like thousands of people were there. It's like, You know, who is stupid enough to believe this? Like, and they show it off like they're proud of it. Look at our plant. We have like six solar panel. Yay. And then there's like the, it's plugged in right into the, the power source. It's, it's, it's so much hypocrisy. And I think that's why I suggest people to watch it is mostly for this. Uh, don't believe everything you're being said about uh, greenwashing. 
um, and how we can change things is, and uh, so, so that's some that's a very unpopular opinion. I don't know if I should say that publicly, but um, we sh- we have the power to change things by doing stuff, but also forcing the industry to to change stuff. When I see natives in Canada that were fighting against it, or some protest here and protest in the U.S., protest everywhere, I think that's the way to go. We have to we have to show that it's. Uh, we we are the one deciding, not the industries. And uh, I think this movie shows that the industry right now are playing with people, people that are so-called green, but all they do is buy a Tesla. Like congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's the highlight of the movie. But like you said, it's just it's very depressing because it leaves you. But what can I do? Like not have children? I guess. Yeah. Well, but, I guess. Yeah. Uh, do I? I mean. Like if if the whole world had only one children for a whole generation, that would help, you know. But how can we stop that? And I had to do good single discussion. single children are assholes most of the times. I'm I, I'm a single children, so let's careful with what you say. But sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I mean, I have two brothers, but I never lived with them. Uh, so well, then you're not a single child. That's why I I, I thought like no, he has brothers. What is well, he I was I was about? raised I was raised on my own. So like I was raised with with the, my parents and no no brother no siblings in my household. So anyway, uh, I had a good discussion with my girlfriend afterward and. And I was saying, like, how, like, she's like, oh, I don't want to watch this. Like, I'm sick of environmental documentaries, whatever. I was like, here's the link. You do whatever you want with it. But I told her about the, the parenting thing. Like, uh, what, what people, should people stop having children? Should we have a one-child policy like China worldwide? And she was like, oh, that's that's all good stuff. But it's not really realistic. And she was like, yeah, she has a very moderate view on a lot of things. She's a very moderate person. And she was like, what about just educating people and give them condoms worldwide, you know? Uh, well, said, that's, you know, that's a step yeah i said there's two issues with this and, and i want to have your take on that is first it's a long shot that's a generation change you know my own people like 100 years ago were baby farms you know my grand grandmother gave birth 20 something times in her life and, and i think she gave birth 23 times uh like wow. half survived or something but but yeah and it says that's only like 70 years ago or 80 years ago so uh, this is a generation thing. If we need to to do something now, we need to do something now. If we if, we, if we're trying to educate people, or whatever, take forever. Um, and the other thing is, uh, religion is the enemy of of all these things. You know, a sexual education yeah. and and a, and a way to control your 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 like the, the pill, reproduction pill, and the condoms, everything. Religion is against this, and a lot of countries are very still very religious. So again it's going to be take a long time to change that and the last issue i have with this is a form of thought imperialism that i'm strongly against in most cases where people should do what they want in their home uh, in their home in their countries I, who am i to judge the culture so how can we juggle with trying to show them which is the terrible thing to do show them to not have children while respecting their 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 culture and authority of their own country i think these two things are you cannot they cannot work together. So what can we do? I don't know. I, I don't know. But uh, it was a good discussion I had with her. And I, yeah, what what do you think? Um, I honestly, there there isn't much I I I, w- I would add at this point. Um, to that, I, I I feel the same. I would like to end this segment at that point because mm. I feel like we said and everything we can say about it. And you guys check it out. Um, uh, uh, do you wanna wanna give our email at this point? Maybe maybe someone wants to send us an email about that. Right. Yeah. Please, please uh, share your thoughts, your, your commentaries on the movie. If you want us to, we can share them. Uh, we can share them uh, on the show for the next episode, and maybe keep the discussion going uh, through 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 this. 
So you can easily reach us at putsinbradverst at gmail.com. Putsinbradverst in one word. And that's the best way to reach uh, us out. We look um, at the emails before each uh, episode. So please, uh, yeah. Also, you can do that uh, through Anchor. You can send us voice messages uh, via Anchor. Um, and that's anchor.fm slash poutine bratwurst. Um, that way you, you can send us voice messages. We can add them uh, to our show or we listen to them and, and react to them any way you like. Now, for the first take, um, do you have a song for our playlist, which is on Spotify? It's the Poutine Bratwurst playlist, Philip. And it's one hell of an eclectic playlist, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> a, a lot of different genre. <laughs> There's a lot of the different genre in there. Yeah, so I went with, with something um, kind of moody, kind of a bit depressing because of the, the, the whole movie thing. It's a song called Then Came the Last Days of May by the band Blue Oyster Cult. Wow. I um, put my favorite Rammstein song, which is called uh, Sehnsucht. That is uh, a very beautiful German word, which is a mixture between desire and nostalgia that's how i would translate it all right um see you guys in the next take hey there it's story time story time with philip and simon hi and welcome to story time this, this is our segment where Philip and I um, share a story with you guys and with each other. It might be a story that uh, we both encountered together in a few times that we have in, to meet in person. Or it might be, as in this case, a story that happened to one of us that we just feel like it's worth sharing. My story has the title, The Time When I Almost Died in Hospital. Now... Uh, two years back, or by now it should be more than two years, anyways, I started to do boxing. Um, I, I went to a boxing course in, in Frankfurt where there was this crazy um, Eastern European instructor who kept yelling at me. And it was very intense. Uh, I always liked boxing and I never had the chance to do it. And there I got the chance to do it. And I fucking loved it loved every minute of it it's you you went there you you punched your soul out and it was just amazing now unfortunately my boxing career took a, a very sharp break when i broke my pinky uh during training i, I at this point uh, this story is not about how that happened it just is about the thing that happened so i broke my pinky it didn't really hurt that much to be honest and uh, i went to the hospital and uh, there, after they took some x-rays, first of all, they were joking. They were all, oh, this is, it doesn't look too bad. It's like a blue. Maybe it's, it isn't even broken. It isn't even fractured. And then they took the x-rays and they were like, oh, that looks really fucking horrible. So what I did is I, 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 it looked like a fucking puzzle that I had in my, in my finger. So my bone was splintered in, I think, three or four parts. And if you, you know, look at your pinky, it's like, one of the smallest bones you have in your whole body. And uh, therefore, fixing this would not be as easy as, for instance, an, uh, if, if, if the same has, had happened to my arm or so. So I went to see a specialist doctor to do that. And um, um, he also said, yeah, we need to do surgery. And this is very complicated. So my parents made sure that I got to one of the best surgeons in Germany. Thank God we, we all get that for free and in my country. 
And um, the, the surgery, the way it happened, I, I'm not very a big fan of, um, of um, you know, getting, getting all in narcotics and of being all knocked out unless it's necessary. In this case, it wasn't. The other option that I have was that they nauseated only my right arm. So the rest of my body would still be awake. So what they did is they, they punched needles into your, your armpit and with a, with electricity and then they they kind of block the nerves from your right arm so your right arm from the shoulder downward is dead it's just meat that you have there and they can do basically anything they could chop off your arm and you would not feel a thing that's really how that works and obviously they give you you know they give you some medicine to make you feel good during the surgery because it was like three hours or so and i had like this curtain on the right side of my body Behind the curtain, the surgeons were, um, there was like three or four surgeons with that stupid finger. And the main surgeon who was like this expert in, 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 in hand surgery all the time, so he was like cursing like, oh my God, Simon, what have you done there? Oh no, give me a break all the time. And I was saying, there, I, I think I even said to him, you can just take it off if, it's, if that makes it easier because I'm not single head about it. Anyways. They finished the whole surgery and uh, everything went to plan. And now what they told me when I was back in, in, the, in my hospital bed is I am not supposed to stand up because for three or four more hours, my arm might be nauseated. And when it's nauseated, I can't really move it and I don't feel anything. So what happens when people get up in these situations, and that happens actually quite often, is they accidentally hit their arm somewhere. And, and since they don't have any feeling in their arms, they are in their lumps. They don't know how hard they hit it. So they might mm. break their hand or anything um, <laughs> just because by hitting the wall, because you just don't have the feeling that you normally have with your body. Right. And I was laying there and, you know, and it's really, first of all, it's very funny to have like this warm piece of meat <laughs> and you feel the weight of your arm, which is an amazing feeling that if you ever get the chance to do it, uh, absorb that feeling because it's it's so funny and weird. And I was laying there. I felt like, I was like, yeah, I don't give a shit. I I just went to the bathroom where I needed help as well because you know they always the nurses would come and they would help me to go to the bathroom and you know help me get up and stuff just to make sure that my arm is protected during mm -hmm. that time. So I laid in my hospital bed. I I put in my my earphones from my from my iPod and I listened to some music. And was like, okay, I'm gonna 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 sleep. And I went to sleep and I made a, a strange movement with my left arm, which is not the arm that was nauseated. And somehow I felt, wait a minute, it's getting kind of warm in my bed on my, on like my arm and on my, my chest and everything. And what happened is, I, so forgive me, I don't know how, what is, how to say that, but if you know, you know that you get like infusions into your arm, in your mm -hmm. hand, you have like this needle in there that's stuck in there and they give you like, um, antibiotics and all that shit yeah. it makes it easier yeah exactly it, it makes it easier for them to to help you with anything painkillers whatever and i unplugged the needle that was inside the little tube that was in my arm so i if you unplug the whole thing it's like a wound and you know the, your body reacts like it normally would but if you only unplug the needle the tube is like pushing all the blood out so the blood that gets pumped in your arm gets pumped straight out of your arm and that's what happened in that moment so i was laying there and you could really see the blood whoosh, 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 rushing out of my head which is first of all it's very interesting so if i if i was like a doctor i'd be fascinated but i'm not so i was like shit what am i gonna do and 
Now, you uh, you know, in, in Germany, you're, um, probably in all hospitals, you have this little this little switch where you can call the nurse if there's an mm -hmm. emergency or, or anything. Mm -hmm. You can call her. What happened is they forgot to show me where that switch is. And I was like, okay, normally it's somewhere around the bed, but I couldn't find the fucking thing. Turns out afterwards, it was somewhere behind my headpiece of the bed, which was bent up. Um, but I didn't know that. And I couldn't reach it because I have one arm that's not working uh, and that I'm not supposed to move. And I have another arm that's bleeding crazy. It's fucking raining blood out of my arm. Mm. So I'm sitting there and I, I'm like, okay, I, I need help right now because I'm not the kind of person who gets sick uh, seeing blood. But obviously, there's only so much blood you can lose until yeah. you get um, until you get unconscious. And mm -hmm. it was like right after lunch, so they would they wouldn't come back for a, a couple of hours. Mm. So I um, I was laying in my bed and I was screaming like, help, help. <laughs> How do you say help in German? How do you say help in German? <laughs> I was saying, going like this and feeling like an idiot. And I thought, well, they should hear me, but it's quite a big hospital and no one fucking heard me. <laughs> no. Like, okay, Simon, calm down. This is, this is not too bad. And so I went to another one. I went a little louder. I went like, <laughs> your neighbors, your neighbors will come exactly. knocking at your oh, door. Yeah, yeah, my neighbors are here. So I, I did that. I did that. I did that. And, um, And it didn't work. So I was like, fuck it. I got to get up. I have to. Start <laughs> uh, so that's what I did. I, I got up and my arm was moving like, um, you know, like a, a, a loose construction crane. It was moving, <laughs> moving all the place, <laughs> you know, and, and it really was like, a, uh, luckily it only went through the air. But I, at that moment, I really felt what it is like if you have something attached, that's not your body, it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I made like baby steps. <laughs> forward and the trying to avoid rushing, the walls <laughs> trying to avoid the walls and the the, uh, the blood was rushing out i left like blood um puddles all over the hospital oh floor. my god and i went and i i started yelling again when i was standing up because i didn't want to go out and the reason i didn't want to go out was two reasons firstly outside of my um of my room was um where the waiting area where kids would wait and see their grandparents oh, no. and all that shit secondly I was still wearing my operation shirt, which is the shirt where you're naked under and your whole ass is looking out. So, so there's this guy. His arm is covered in blood. He has blood puddles all over his shirt. He looks like from a horror movie and he's fucking naked. From the front, you can see the dent of my baby dick. And from the back, you can see my naked ass. And... Um, And obviously, after an oper uh, after a three-hour operation, you look like shit. So <laughs> yeah, you know, that makes it even worse. And I, but I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I yelled again. No one heard me. So I was like, fuck it, I have to get out. I have to go, go and get help. So I went to the door. I opened the door, and um, and so there was the waiting area in front, and I could see the room where the nurses were gathering. Mm. So I hope that I maybe someone sees me because I just couldn't go over there. I was kind of trying to hide my bloody arm. And um, and I couldn't go up because I was like, I, I, they're gonna see my ass. And there was a granny walking to uh, like, like she had this little walker thing, and like also in operation dress and all that stuff. She was go you know just going for a walk there, walk there, and um, and she saw me, and you could see that first of all she was just looking like like nothing is, and then she realized she saw the blood all over. <laughs> She's like, oh my god, 
Oh my god! It kept moving faster, like as fast as she could with her little grandma legs, and she was moving, and and she banged on the door of the nursing room where they they were they were somewhere were inside, and she was like, help, help, help! <laughs> and they went out, and the moment they went out to to talk to her, they saw me, and they were like, Mister Bender, what are you doing? What have you told you? And they rushed towards me and and said, you you were not supposed to get up. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm fucking bleeding here. So, what am I supposed to do? She said, you're going to be unconscious. You're going to be unconscious. And, and I said, no, I'm going to be fucking dead. Can you please help me? And they put it back in there. And, and really, the room looked like it was like from a song. A murder scene. <laughs> it looked like a fucking murder scene. And they plucked it all back in. They showed me where the, where the switches to call them. And obviously, I survived. But that actually, one of is one hundred percent true, and that was my story time. Hey there, that was story time. Story time with Philip and Simon. All right, so that's my story time. When to the did, moment did, when I almost died. Did you actually? felt losing power like would you uh, feel getting no. weak no i didn't i uh you know I, I i i don't i really don't know how much blood i left and i lost and and how how dangerous that situation would have how, how long i could have continued like that i have no idea um but i think the adrenaline of the situation was stronger and i was still kind of high a little bit <laughs> So I don't know yeah. who knows if, if that happened to me in this moment, I might have might react way less relaxed than I actually did in that moment. Mm-hmm. So so the, the, were the nurse angry at you or <laughs> Yeah, they, they came and they were like angry. We told you not to get up. And like <laughs> just just save my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you please just help me? That's not that's not the thing, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I you know when you were telling your story about falling asleep, I was I was worried that the story was that you, you turned on your dead end, that you crushed your, your finger or something while you were sleeping. Nah. <laughs> I was like, that oh no. Oh, that would have been way worse. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that's why I was so concerned about it. But uh so um, I remember for a while your finger was like stuck and and like you could not move it, right? It is still stuck. I had a I after that first operation I had a second one, which um which was so so um in the first operation what they did is they fixed my bones they made them not be splinters anymore, um and 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 afterwards my my finger got I did like uh, I I think it was it had to be stiff for I think six weeks. And then I could start going, you know, into physiotherapy and stuff like that, where they try and make it movable again. However, uh, the finger still, after quite some time, like I think uh, uh, five, six months or so, it was stuck in the in the right in the ninety degree angle, right, and it didn't move anywhere. So I went to the to my my hand surgeon again, and he said that. I'm not going to be able to make that finger be movable again ever. So um, what they did, what he said advised me to do, and which I what I ended up doing is, they surgically made it into a posture that is aesthetically um, correct and is easy to go around. Which is I, I can show you that we by the way right. we're we're seeing each other today, um, which is in a so the the normal kind of way slightly curved way. 
Yeah, for the normal way to for for your hand, the normal hand posture. If you're listening, you can check that as well. Is if you just let your hand fall on the back, and you you have it, you know, let just relax, let it fall. Then you see your fingers are kind of bend a little upwards, mm-hmm. and that is the natural pose. That's the pose your hands will be most of the time, and that is the pose that my pinky is stuck now forever. And do you, feel they, so, do you feel something in your finger, or did well, you yeah, get, I, I do. Back? Yeah. I feel everything that the and the only issues I have, like when I bend a fist, mm-hmm. I I can't bend my my pinky fully. Mm. So like the only movement I can make is up and down and to the sides a little bit, <clears> but I can't really bend the middle jaw. So I can't make a fist. I um, it is sometimes at the beginning it was difficult when I was like getting cash back or something when I, you know, uh, from a cashier or something. Mm. And I had like this little hole in my hand where, mm. where the cash fell out. Other than that, I don't really notice it. The only issue is I will never be able to do boxing again, which is yeah. way worse for me than it sounds because I really love that sport, but I couldn't do it because it's just too dangerous because I can't, if you can't do a fist, I might hit my pinky. And of course, yeah. It's, it's you. You, you will have to use on your your left hand. So, so at least you can still play guitar, right? So your I left do. hand is safe. Yeah. Yes, that's why I'm I'm a right hander. Uh, I'm happy it is the the right hand and not the left mm. because otherwise, my guitar career would be over. Also well. be over. Yeah. Also yeah. be over, which would be really really bad. Mm-hmm. Um. So for this, that was the second take. Um, Philip, do you have a song? Yes, so it's it's unrelated to to your story. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but it, it, it's it's a song called uh, "Televators" by the group The Mars Volta. All right, my song is by uh, Japanese American artist Joji, and it's called "Slow Dancing in the Dark." I hear you in a moment. Random information. Welcome back to Putin Bradverse, your long distance podcast. Today, for random uh, information, I want to do something special. And I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know if it's going to be interesting, but it's something I wanted to share with you, our dear, dear audience. I feel like I need to justify a point that I often make on this podcast, and it's one regarding religion and my faith. And um, Uh, I feel like I have a strong stance and maybe some uh, listeners are, I wouldn't say offended, but curious or, or, or do not understand why. And I feel like it's something that could be interesting for international listeners. Why do me, but I would say most of the Quebec people are very uh, unreligious and my random information uh, segment uh, is called from the church to swears to the Quiet Revolution. So um, one thing people know uh, about Quebec people, usually internationally, is we have very colorful swear words. Uh, it's something that uh, especially French people are delighted with, and it's something that international people want to often ask me worldwide when I travel. Oh, I've heard about the swears. Can you teach me one? Whatever. And these swears are very symbolic of uh, our history with the church, more precisely the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church. And to understand where the swears come from and the impact they had on the longer term uh, on, on a society level, I want to give you a brief history lesson of the re- history of religion in Quebec uh, from our inception to today. So you have to understand that my ancestors came uh, over 400 years ago to North America, more precisely to uh, uh, where Quebec City is now. Um, 
to found, found basically a trading post uh, for fur. And uh, there was no real institution. It was not meant for people to stay there, like to make, like a, become a country or a province or a state or anything. It was just like a place where a few worker would be, mostly men uh, trading fur with the natives. Um, but as it was growing, um, there was a lack of institution. And one thing that came with the, the, the French 400 years ago was the Jesuits. Uh, for those who don't know who the Jesuits are, they are missionaries, uh, Catholic missionaries that are, I would say, pretty hardcore um, in their uh, faith, uh, as most missionaries are, of course, but these ones are very strict in their faith, and that's very important. Um, so since there was no real, very strong uh, government, and I have to say I'm not an expert on the topic, right? I'm, I'm telling you from, from, from my general knowledge, and if you're interested in knowing more, or if you're curious about a certain point, please uh, don't, don't be shy to ask us uh, through our email. But um, so with the, with the Jesuits came the first institutions. Uh, and by institutions, I mean mostly uh, schools and hospitals. And because they owned both these two things, they were very uh, powerful. They were the one deciding what was to teach. And they were the one taking care of the sick. So it's a very powerful position to have. And they were they were very intertwined with the, the the governments that we had too, very close to power, and that was up until the 1960s. So for 300 something years, the government and the church were very close tied. So what happened is one they had so many rules, and life was so strict under the regime that people were kind of protesting against these rules, and um, and I'm saying that's even in the 1600s and the 1700s. And one of the ways they protested was by defying one of the many rules that the Jesus had. And one of these rules was, you cannot use words, sacred words, outside of the church's wall. So our swear words are basically deformed uh, church words. For example, uh, one of the most famous one is kalis, right? Which is, actually should be pronounced kalis, which is a chalice in English. What is a chalice in, in German? I don't even know what a chalice is. It's the thing you, the, the priest drinks from. The, the cup. That's uh, Like the growl is one of these. I would have to Google. I, I don't know. No, that's okay. That's okay. It's just for, for a German <laughs> listeners. No, no worries. So, uh, so the, the priests were saying, you cannot use the word chalice outside the, the, the ah, church it's, uh, i'm sorry sorry i think it's cash cash well, would be the word i guess so imagine using this word as a swear word well that's what we did because it was a way to protest um and to show that you're defying the church's laws um, by using these words which is very dumb because everywhere else in the world they use these words in in churches matter and it's fine if you say chalice in, in, in the U.S., it's not offensive. But for us, it was because the rules were so strict. And as, you know, the state grew and the government became more and more uh, solid and real and the English came and then the Canada was founded, all of that, the church was still very present. And we were arguably the most religious people in North America, potentially more than most of U.S. people were. It was very, very strict, very, very religious. Sunday church, always, always, people are having so many children. Uh, and some people would say it was a backward time, and arguably, maybe it was. So that kept going and building, and the influence of the state and the church was ever stronger, even into the 1900s. And that's when artists 
became questioning uh, that order. And I think that's one of the roles of the artist, right? It's to question the order and question what is normal or right or wrong. And they did. And some of the most famous artists we had of the 40s, uh, in 48, if I'm correct, uh, wrote a book that was called Total Refusal, in, in which many painters, cultures, uh, just philosophers, everything, wrote a short text, uh, a text together and co-signed it saying that we need like to to uh, that god does not exist like which was extreme for the time um uh, god does not exist we need anarchy arts sh- shall reign supreme and like we need the church out we need like a, a, a atheist government stuff like that and uh it was it was very controversial some of these artists were teachers they lost their jobs um and the the government at the time the government and the church were so close together and they were so corrupted um where the church people were, were, were had so much riches and still the people they were keeping the people poor they were investing all the public funding for arts was used to make catholic uh like rural uh based movies like oh if you if you live in the city you're going to hell look at these people having 12 children living in farms how they're pure and saint these are the ones going to heaven so the artists were used, were commissioned to do stuff like that or painting Jesus and Mary all the time What they wanted to paint random fucking bullshit they wanted to because they were modern artists and they didn't give a fuck, right? So there was all of this going on and 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 my mother remembers uh, uh, the, the stories of where she's from, where I'm from too, of the priest knowing who, what woman was not pregnant anymore at, at the Sunday mass and would shame them publicly Oh God! Or, or or go and knock at their door, and be like, "Oh, listen, um, I'm uh, maybe your couple is not going well. I'm here as a priest, of course, an expert of sexuality. I'm here to help <laughs> you. Uh, if you like, you, uh, maybe is there something wrong with your husband? Are you sick? Something's because you didn't have a children for two years now. So the women were heavily pressured from their peer and from the church to have a lot of children, and that made a lot of big families and a lot of poor people because of that too because if you have 15 children feeding them is not easy right so all of that culminated with a new government in the 60s was much more liberal not in the sense of the new term liberal but like in the sense that a very uh, you know the government and the church are gone they created a ministry of health and a ministry of, of education because believe you or not before the 60s there was none it was wow. the church so they created the Ministry of Education in the 60s, in the 60s. And uh, in, in, from, from the 60s to the 70s, we became the least uh, uh, religious society in North America, only in 10 or 20 years, because going too much in one sense, we wanted to go so much in the other sense. And I'm, my generation is uh, like the third that comes out of this, of this wave. And now I see my grandmother, which is strong Catholic. You know, every time I, something happens, it's because of some saints. She's very Catholic. She's like, oh, I've lost my keys. I'm going to pray this saint because he's oh, going to yeah, find yeah. things. My, my mom still does that sometimes. Right? <laughs> and, and, and like when I finally got a job after my degree, she was like, oh, that's because I, I prayed that saint. He's like the job saint. So thank him. You have to thank him, okay? Because it's because of him. Not because you you paid $50,000 to get a good degree and work your ass off to get a job. It's because of that, that saint, okay? Oh, God. Which I hate. I hate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I... That's basically what I, what I wanted to, to tell today, which is uh, the story of my people's relationship with religion. And, and that's 
and I, I, I'm, con- I'm conscious that I'm the result of hundreds of years of, of weird relationship with the church. And I hope that I do not offend any listeners, basically, when I talk about uh, religion and, and, uh, and faith. And, um, and I respect people. Uh, you can believe what you want. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to make it clear. And I thought maybe some people would be curious on, on why I have such strict view on the issue. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, thanks for that random information. <laughs> I, I knew parts of it, but wow, I, I didn't know. I didn't know the the church had that much influence in um, in, in your in the history of your language. There's, a, there's was... a it's a funny story I, I want to tell you. Just I just thought about this. Um, so um, the, the there was two parties. There was the liberals. That was like the more like uh, less church, more progressive mm-hmm. values. Yeah. And there was a part of party called the National Union, if uh-huh. I translate it, which was the party that was in power like for like 30 years nonstop, the same guy, whatever. And uh, very populist, very right wing traditionalist. They told people if they vote for them, everybody would get a free fridge, like like a fridge for, for their food. A that free was their policy. Fridge. Yeah, that was their policy. Vote for us and get a free fridge. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And they were very close to the to the, the, the church, right? And so the church were actually uh, campaigning for them. Can you believe that? And one church famously said to the people, because people are very educated, right? So the liberals, their color is red. The National Union was blue, okay? So the, the priest said, look at the colors. Heaven is blue. Hell is red. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> if you no. vote for the liberals, God knows, and you're going to hell. Oh, God. What, yeah. When was that? How many years ago? That, that, that story? Yeah. I th- uh, from what I know, it's like, uh, like the early 40s. It's <laughs> not, it, no, no, it's not the middle age. <laughs> no, it's not the middle age. But uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, very uh, peculiar leader that guy was, for sure. I, I was wondering... When nowadays, when uh, so you said that every day, seemingly every day, words, um, church words uh, mm. like uh, colors are uh, swear words in, in, mm-hmm. in the Quebec area. Mm. Now, what happens if you have these kind of words on TV? Are they blurred out or, you know, are they beeped out or anything? So how does it work? They're not bleeped out, but it's very rare we hear them. Oh, really? It's very rare. Um, I don't think swearing is as much of a big deal here than in the U.S., for example, yeah. where they would they like they would even beep like shit. Um, but uh, it's very uncommon, and usually you would see it in movies where a character is like angry or anything. But like on a talk show, for example, very uncommon. And um, there's a movie maker here that is is, is quite famous. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make you watch one of these movies once for sure. these analysis. Um, But he's, he's a very controversial uh, guy, so I don't know if we should. But uh, he was swearing on, on TV a lot. And um, he, he, people were always saying to him, nobody can take you seriously if you swear on TV. Like, mm-hmm. how can we take you seriously if you swear? You sound like a, like a I don't know, like a truck driver or like or whatever. Like, be oh. like, you're, you're, you're a movie maker, you know, be some. So, but he was like, I talked to everyone, including the, the truck drivers. Like why would I why would I take these little gloves to be well that's how people talk, so why not say it? And I I agree with him. This is the language of the everyday people. Why not use it? Right. So I I don't know. I'm very against censorship and I I, I assume you are also. So yeah. yeah. All right, cool, cool story. Um 
So I think we're at the end of this episode. Um, mm-hmm. I hope you guys enjoyed the better sound quality. I, I'm sure I feel glad about that. Um, yeah, do you, Philip, do you have any any last words for Kim Jong-un if he's listening and uh, he's maybe recovering and he, he's, he's, he's trying out some podcasts. He found a podcast. Is there anything you want to mm. tell him? Well, hmm, it's a, it's a good question, honestly. Uh, I, I would tell him he was the more rational players between him and Trump. I think he was the, yeah. the, the, the more rational player. I think he played his card the best. Yep. Um, but uh, his country will probably be better off with him dead. So. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you were a Philip fan at that point, Mr. Mr. Kim Jong-un, I, I have to say I have nothing against you. I still like you, bro. So it's all him. All right. So if you, if you nuke a country, maybe not Germany. Mm. All right. Um, do you have a song, Philip? Yes. So, uh, you know, I was telling about this, the, the Quiet Revolution, Quebec arts and everything. So I thought I should share one of the artists that uh, pushed uh, this whole free art, free thing uh, forward. Mm. And just a little parenthesis, if you let me, on this sure. artist. Uh, so they made him uh, a, a, a singer, a, a female singer and a humorist. And I think other people, I don't remember, they made a show uh, with a swear word in the name of the show in like the early 60s, which was very offensive for the time. And um, it was called Lust Show. So the fucking show, literally. The name of the show was The Fucking Show. Lust Show. Um, and uh, so his name is Robert Charlebois. And the name of the song is Les Ailes d'un Ange. All right. My song is from uh, another German band, uh, quite old. Um, it's a band from Cologne. And they, have their, they speak Cologne dialect, wow. which is... I, I I don't really I can't really understand everything of it, but I like the song a lot. The band is called Bop and their song is called Verdamp Lang Her. All right, hear you guys next week and uh bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.